for episode number four of season two of the Ranging Burnett podcast, I am really excited to introduce Michaela of D&D Beef to you. Michaela and her husband, Jared, ranch in the beautiful state of Nebraska. And today we're going to talk all about Michaela's ranching legacy, how D&D Beef came to be, as well as a little bit on the genetic side of her family seed stock operation. It's another amazing episode, jam-packed with great information and advice, and Michaela did not disappoint. We talk on a lot of things in this episode that we really haven't talked about on the show yet, so I think you're going to find it really interesting, and I think you'll probably learn quite a bit from Michaela as well. So let's head on into her episode, but before we do, a little reminder to make sure that you give Michaela a follow on Instagram, at dndbeef, and be sure to check out their website, dndbeef.com. Okay, let's tune in and let's get to meet Michaela. Welcome to the Ranching Brunette Podcast. I am your host, Logan Robinson, and this is the podcast for aspiring first-generation ranchers by an aspiring first-generation rancher with one goal in mind, to get America ranching again. Hi, Michaela. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Ranching Brunette Podcast. I'm so excited to have you. I am too. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is going to be so much fun, and I cannot wait to learn more about D&D Beef. I have loved learning of your ranching story through Instagram. Will you share with us your journey and the history behind D&D Beef? D&D Beef is a business that is pretty new to me, actually. I started this within the past year. I handle a lot of the marketing for our seed stock operation, D&D Cattle Company. I do a lot of the computer and paperwork, I guess, if you will. And we had a couple extra steers and heifers that were about ready to go to market. We've sold beef to friends and family since before my parents were born and I was even a thought. Yeah, my grandpa down in Elkhorn, which is a suburb of Omaha, which used to be a small town, was one of the first people to take animals to this new butcher. And my grandpa told him, we'll bring you business. So in a way, my grandpa's always sold beef direct to consumers. So I've, I've always known, you know, we sell quarter halves and whole beef to friends and family. So last fall, about calendar year last fall, my dad goes, hey, we have these, these extra fats. Do you want to throw it online and see if anybody wants them? You know, on my personal Facebook page, I threw it on our D&D cattle one and asked my mom and my sister to share it. And I threw it up on the Facebook marketplace as well. As well. I'd never done that before. And this was before they really started cutting down, you know, on their new laws on Facebook. The response I got took me back. I was like, what, what is going, what is going on? You know, I was, oh, I was honest to gosh, overwhelmed with the responses I got for people wanting our beef. I live about an hour North of Omaha. So the response rate I got, you know, took me back at the time I had a one and a half year old and a six month old. I was not looking oh to gosh. start it. <laughs> I wasn't like, Hey, let's start a new business, but I did. <laughs> and oh, so, you had your hands full. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't trying to become more busy. I was, you know, and as ranchers and, and cattle men and women and, and anybody who raises livestock, you know, we didn't want them to go to waste and not that they would go to waste if we took them to the sale barn, but I'm like, man, I know these are going to be good. You know, that's how my dad is. Like if we can get them to somebody who wants them, let's just get them moved to, you know, we don't want them to quote unquote, go to waste, taking them to the sale barn. That sounds bad, but you know what I mean? Absolutely. That's how D&D beef was inadvertently 
started, I uh, was like, okay, um, <laughs> let's see how this goes. And I sold those animals as quarter half whole beef shares. I work with a butcher that's about 45 minutes from our house and they're family run. They're phenomenal. Our butcher that we used to go to in Elkhorn a couple years ago closed because the gentleman, it was J&J Meats and the gentleman's name was Joe. He's, you know, he's tired and physically didn't want to do it anymore. So I was in the process of looking for a butcher just for our family anyway. So all these things lined up and that's how D&D beef started. I said, all right, let's see what happens. So that's, that's how the me selling our ranch direct beef to consumers started purely accidental and decided to keep going on the journey when it, when the opportunity presented itself. Oh, I love that, Michaela. That's just a fantastic journey into this. And I love learning of the history behind D&D on your website with your family legacy in there. So how does your operation look today compared to the history of that? And what have been the biggest challenges in continuing on the D&D legacy in today's growing and changing market? Well, so D&D Cattle Company is a registered seed stock herd. So we sell registered Red Angus and Black Angus. Um, we've always had cattle. When my dad was about my age, he started produce or pursuing the seed stock part. He really likes, you know, EPDs and registering cattle and, and the I'll call it the game of lining up, you know, to make the best calves. So we sell our bulls every year um, on production sale. We used to do private treaty when I was growing up. That's our primary goal. We always sell females private treaty as well. You know, we don't have an actual sale for those. So right now, my dad and mom have two daughters, my sis, myself and my sister. My sister lives in Minnesota. Uh, she's about four hours away from the home place. She does a lot of our registering. She does the paperwork. She works for the Cow Sense program. She is my father's daughter in the aspect that they really like EPDs and researching. They like the, the challenge of it, I guess. You know how that goes, the, all the research and work going into that. So that's kind of our operation. And then it's my, my husband and I live just down the road from my parents with our two kids. With continuing on right now, my biggest challenge is I will have a two and a four-year-old in March. I have wow. had to step back so much from the day to day. I work part-time and then I do this and as well as our, you know, bull sale stuff as well, D&D beef and D&D cattle and work part-time. My husband is a head feeder at a local feedlot and in feeds cattle every day there. So, you know, that's, that's not a nine to five job <laughs> by no, any means either. <laughs> so I guess it's a blessing that we're able to be close and to do this, but I mean, my dad's getting tired. I'm, have two crazy redheads I'm trying to rein in every day who love what we do so much, but I'm like, okay, you guys like, hold on now. I mean, let's, <laughs> you're not that big. Like, <laughs> They're just, they love it so much, which is great. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, it's balancing aspect, but we're, I'm grateful all of us have a role in it are trying to continue to do this man challenges right now with what we're doing. I feel like everybody feels like, we don't have it easy and not that anybody in the ag industry ever does, mm-hmm. but with the current markets, climate has been crazy lately, you know, where we live on the Eastern side of the state of Nebraska, you know, we're the corn huskers. Well, yeah. I'm surrounded by cornfields, not cattle. So the people in our area who have livestock, there's a couple big herds. My neighbors are ones 
for example, that are bigger like us. But a lot of our market is the guys that are my dad's age or older who always had cattle, but they keep cutting back. So marketing in general is a little harder. You know, we're not surrounded by a lot of commercial cattlemen like you are when you get to the middle and the outside of the state, you know, heading your way. You know, we're not in ranching country. Right. There's, I mean, you, everyone saw the flooding in Nebraska last spring. Oh yeah. That was heart wrenching. It was terrible. And we are fortunate. We actually are, we're about, I'd say maybe five miles from the Missouri river, but we're on the hillside where the rivers, you know, the river started and moved towards Iowa where it's flat. We're up. So all the, like the town Fremont is about 20 minutes from us. That was on the news because they were an Island. They were flying people in and out and the weather is so unpredictable in general, but lately, you know, we get rain now. I don't ever remember the last time we've had this much rain in the winter these past couple of years. And we all know weather changes and such, but all these things just compound, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's hard right now. Everybody will, everybody in any sort of ag sector, I feel like is really fighting an uphill battle. Absolutely. I, I definitely agree with you on that. Well, it's always fun to hear the unique challenges and advantages to ranching in different states. So I know we just talked on some of the challenges that you guys have faced in the last couple of years with the flooding and all the climate. Will you fill us in on what it's like to ranch year-round in Nebraska? Nebraska is one of those states that we get every season and we get them really well. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it was the high the other day here was like two degrees, wow, but in the yeah. summer, you know, we do get up to hundred degrees and our humidity is strong. Part of that is because we're surrounded by corn too. You know, we get all four seasons and we get them really, really well. <laughs> but for what we do from ranching year round is we're actually, we just started calving. We calve the middle to end of January calving kind of trickles in. We heat watch a lot of our cows. My dad catches a lot of them in their natural heat cycle. And so we just start AIing. We calve February and March, pretty heavy. We do that because we sell yearling bulls. So we need to calve early as well as we don't like to traditionally, we would fight the mud April, May, which everyone does anyway, um, due to the weather. That's when I made the comment about raining. It's been muddy here. January was a muddy month for us, which is usually why we calved because we'd rather fight the cold than the mud. But yeah. uh, So calving in the spring, we AI about 80% of our herd, kick them out mid-May on average. All of our pasture grounds right around us, which is great. Every now and then we would trailer out to the middle of the state for pasture ground. But the past couple of years, we've been fortunate to be able to keep them close to home. You know, we wean in the fall. Usually it's the first week of September. However, that is weather dependent. There's been some years where we've been weaning early just to help take some of that pressure off the grass, especially the past couple of years. That's been very well watched to make sure we're not overgrazing and everybody's doing okay. In October, we ship our sail bowls out to a custom feeding location. And, and that was something you and I previously talked about how we put our bowls on test. Yeah. And we, we ship them out in October because we're one of a couple breeders on a sale. So all the sale bulls are, they want them all fed and handled the same. So we send those out in the fall and we wean all of our calves, like I said, in September. We background our calves and then 
we usually will sell them in January. We are fortunate to be actually close to feedlot country. There's a lot of feedlots just a county over. I think it's one of the most densely populated counties in the United States for feedlots. Wow. Oh, that's handy. <laughs> yeah, it's really nice. We're, we're very fortunate to be surrounded by two great sale barns. One's just 45 minutes away. And then there's an amazing one in Iowa as well. So from marketing our cattle, they do a dang good job. And we're, we're fortunate to be close to some people who want some good calves. So. Oh, that's um, such a blessing. That makes it really yes, nice. Yes, it, it is. And that's something we take for granted. Um, we were just talking about that the other day. It's, it's truly a blessing to be close and have such a great relationship with our sale barn and that they are close and, and, and they're great people to work with. We harvest our own hay. So in the summers, you know, it's either hay season or calving season around here. So that's, that's, and then in the midst of it, you're also shipping out your beef because you do the beef direct to your customers, which is an amazing (laughs) thing, but you got to add that in there too. And you guys are busy plus your kiddos and your part-time job. I don't know how you're managing it all, but you guys sound like you have a great family dynamic where everyone is just playing their role and their part. And I love hearing about this. Yes. And so in the summers, this was my, so this is all going to be my first, this, you know, I just finished my first quote unquote kind of calendar year of really starting this business. So what we are about 45 minutes to an hour North of Omaha. I say that because Omaha has expanded. So there's some, depends on where you say the Omaha starts line. <laughs> I sell our beef at a farmer's market every Saturday in the summer Kind of last year, I did it May through July, August, August ish time. I take some of our ranch direct beef down there, sell single cuts, and then just, you know, talk to a lot of people will come up and just ask questions about shares, um, like ordering a quarter, half, or whole beef. And I will continue to push to ship our beef. And I also meet people in Omaha. I have a scheduled delivery drop-off time and location that people can order their beef online. And then I will meet them somewhere for them to pick it up as well. So doing all those fun things as well, just get placed wherever there's time to allow. Yeah, you've got your hands full. That's quite a bit going on all at once. And I love that though, because it, you know, makes the the days go by fast and the years go by fast and all the different seasons and everything's changing. And revolving. And I love that. How fun. Ranching and agriculture is such a unique industry to be in that you never get bored because the next season's right around the corner waiting for you with all the excitement and challenges (laughs) in the season, you know, just all the obstacles to overcome. And it's just a lot of fun to see it year by year. Yes. It's, it keeps you on your toes. And I feel like we are so fortunate to be able to follow the products through, you know, and that's what I tell people when they buy our beef or people who come and buy our cattle in, in for breeding purposes for seed stocks, replacement heifers or bulls. And, and like, we know our animals, you know, and that's what I feel like so many people don't understand that. Like we truly do know, like if that cow's crazy, I know that, <laughs> you know, like, and if, and if that cow's one of the nicest cows, I know that too. You know, we, each animal has its own personality and we truly do pay attention to those things. There's this misconception that I feel like ranchers don't care or don't pay attention. And that's one thing I have found when I've gone to the farmer's markets. I'm like, I can tell you that steak you have in your hand that you're purchasing from me. I can tell you who it's great, great grandpa was and what it's birth weight was. If I really wanted to tell you that, or if you really wanted to know, 
Like we do pay attention. It's a, like you said, it's constantly changing and there's always this next season. And I will say with social media, I feel that people are beginning to understand that it's not just feeding cattle day to day and that we aren't paying attention to what's going on. I've loved social media. I I mean, there's a lot of challenges that don't get me wrong. And I've had a lot of haters and stuff too, but it's really neat, you know, a platform to be able to share our stories and what we're doing in the day to day. And for those folks, like our customers who want to know more, they can see that Mm -hmm. and feel like they're a part of it. And then, you know, the downside of that is the people who are very anti ranching or, you know, meat, they then have the same platform to try and take a stand on. And that can be frustrating and challenging. But for the most part, I have still found in my experience that there's been more positive interactions than negatives. Thank goodness, because I don't think any of us would continue on social media (laughs) if it were the other way. No, we wouldn't. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love like when I'm searching for folks to come onto the show like yourself, I love looking at everybody's unique stories and how they present what they're doing in their operations through these little squares on Instagram or their Facebook posts. And it's amazing to see everyone's unique approach to it and their own you know, a niche market, if you will. And I've really enjoyed that. And it's pretty neat time to be in ranching in agriculture, but also very challenging time too with social media presence. It, it continues to blow my mind regularly. And I know, and the, um, the community that I have surrounded myself with, the, the people I have actually, like your Instagram page, for example, and some of the other people who are doing what I'm doing in regards to selling beef or just being, you know, sharing their story, just putting it out there. You know, this is what we do. And this is what we do every day. The amount of support that's on Instagram is amazing from the people that are, you know, in and out day in and day out, I should say doing what we're doing. The support is unbelievable. And it is so heartwarming, I guess, that there's people doing what we are doing and supporting each other. And it's not a competition. They just want everybody who's sharing their story and, you know, doing it for the greater good to succeed. And it's, it's not a competitive or, you know, they're not trying to take the other person down. They're trying to build them up. And that's what I love about Instagram and the ag community on there. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. You're absolutely right. And just that support is overwhelming. And I found even when people try and put something negative on someone's page, you've got this full force of people coming in and backing you and helping (laughs) you. And I love that because it's great. You know, you may, a comment might come across on your post and you may not see it. And oh, I tell you what, there's a handful of people that see it and they got your back. And I love that support (laughs) and that community. And it's, it's really neat because we're so, you know, spread so far out on our operations in different states. But with Instagram in particular, it's so amazing and unique to see this community within ranching especially and I'm so grateful for it I'm so glad you are yes. talking about that it's a pretty unique thing it is and, and that's when people are like well what do you do and I'm like follow me on Instagram yes yeah. I I don't think I'm fun to watch I'm not you know the funny person on Instagram but uh, you know if you want to see me pet some bulls or feed some cows or try to chase my toddler around the house or yell at them to stop touching things like, go ahead, you'll see it online. But I I try to uh, just share what we're doing. And I tell them, if you really want to see it, if you really want to see what we're doing, I do not hide anything. So hop on and follow along. And it's, it's a way that I can answer their questions. And then they can also just follow along and see. And then if they have any, I'm always, you know, open, I say, shoot me a message, you know, 
hear my email and a lot of people have responded with genuine questions and someone's like, well, this is probably a stupid question. I said, there's no such thing as a stupid question. We're here because we want you guys to ask questions. We're here because we're trying to help you feel more comfortable and get the real answers. And that's awesome too. I get so many questions and I love answering them because they genuinely want to know Absolutely, and they're not judgmental or, you know, saying I'm doing it wrong. It's, is that calf going to be warm? Yeah, it's going to be warm. The mom licks it off and, you know, I go through the steps and it's just, it's a really cool platform we're able to use. Absolutely. The connection is amazing. And like you said, being transparent on there and just sharing it all and being real and raw Mm -hmm. and then answering the questions. Cause you know, people who don't live this, they don't know. And they might think it's a stupid question, but if you're not exposed to that or around that, how are you to know? And I love it when people reach out with questions because it means they're open-minded and they're willing to learn it directly from a rancher or farmer. And I greatly appreciate those questions when they come in as well. And I have Googled, I can't remember. I Googled something regarding poultry. And I think my husband and I, because, you know, he's likes the feed side of his job. And we're, I can't remember what the conversation was. I Googled something about like feeding broilers. And I can't remember, maybe we're talking about conversion rates or something. It's kind of scary. And I'm even an ag person and I know the basics of it. If you Google something, the results that show up, I mean, half of that is from activists and extremists. So I'm, you know, the general public who maybe, you know, three generations removed from any sort of ag background, that's a lot of work to sift through that. And I'm a, and I'm an ag person. And I was like, Oh, gosh, that's a lot of bad stuff that just popped up. Right. It's terrifying. That's why I'm so thankful we have these social media apps that we can hopefully build that connection and help in a better way than asking Google, because that'll scare the hell out of you. Yes, I was like, Oh, God, what did I do? Like, just shut it. I'm like, I'll ask. I have a friend who raises broilers and is doing what I'm doing directly. I was like, I'll just ask him tomorrow. I'm not going to look anymore on there. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, uh, you know, Google, don't look up where your food comes from or your medical problems on there because it'll terrify you. It'll terrify you. And then you get false information. (laughs) That's just fear tactics. Yes. And then you just get down this rabbit hole of trying to find it. And then you just got (laughs) to. work your way back out of there. So it's bad. (laughs) But yes, so that's what's cool about what we're doing. Yes, I completely agree. Absolutely. So we talk a lot about selling beef direct to customers on this show. So for something a little different, I would love to hear your sale bull process and more about the data side. I know we've mentioned it a little bit already throughout your episode. But your post talking about your sale bulls and the feed efficiency test was great. And I think our listeners will enjoy hearing about this side of your operation as well because it's not something I've really brought up on the show yet. So I'd love it if you'd share it with us. Sure. So I had mentioned that we primarily AI our herd. We do about 80% on average. I always say our pedigrees are stacked. And this is complete kudos to my my dad and my sister. They're the, they are in the trenches <laughs> looking for bulls and, and AIing and breeding choices. So I always say our pedigrees are stacked. Our, our cattle are very well bred. We use a lot of reputable breeders dad and my sister do a lot of the leg work for that. So how we sell our bulls is when we wean in the fall, we wean in September, we background them at our place for about 30 days, make sure that they've got their quote unquote sea legs, that they're adjusted. We do fence line weaning and we want to make sure that the stressful side of weaning is done and that everybody's good and on feed. We don't creep feed our calves in the summer. They're just on grass and it reflects in our weaning weights. Our weaning weights are lighter, but that's because our cattle are just 
on grass. Our calves are just nursing on the moms and consuming our native grasses here. So our weaning weights are a little lighter, but I always tell people we want to see our true genetic performance and we don't want that masked by a fat bull who won't stop eating creep feed every day <laughs> because they don't need it. Right. You know, <laughs> we choose not to creep feed. A lot of people do teach their own, but yeah. that's why our weaning weights are always lighter. So anyway, we once, once they're calves, we feel like are, are solid. You know, they've done the fence line weaning. They like our feed. Everybody's healthy. The stressful, you know, side is done. They will get, we trailer them out to a location that has this grow safe type system for feed test. And we were contacted by Ryan Ludvigson of Ludvigson Stock Farms about being on a new sale in North Platte, Nebraska. We've sold to them in the past, but they're now selling red Angus and Angus bulls in Nebraska. So we took our bulls out there this October where they were put on test with all other bulls on this sale. They like all the bulls to arrive about the same time so they can all grow the same and be handled the same. So you have a very solid uniform group in March when they're on this sale. They're on test for about 45 to 60 days. They put them on feed. They didn't do it right away. They kind of let the bulls adjust and get used to being at the new location. I have not seen the feed test results yet. What they do with that information is they have EID tags that basically clock the bulls in and out each time they go eat. And what that does is the bull gets clocked in, I guess is the term I'm going to use to that feed bunk. And there's a scale. And what it does is it weighs how much the bull consumes. And with that, they calculate their residual feed intake. This information is used to see how the bull gains, performs. They use it to calculate a dollar profit EPD, which kind of encompasses like how the bull performed from feed conversion growth. And then I believe they also use some of its EPDs just to see how its offspring will perform based off of that bull's feed conversion rate. Wow. So there's a lot of equations and steps that they use in calculating the dollar profit EPD, but it's, its main goal is to show you this bull's calves are going to perform this way, this way, this way. And what is that going to do to your bottom line? If that makes sense. Oh, that's fascinating. And for those listening in, if you were to go to Michaela's Instagram, there's a post with a picture of what these scales and this clock-in system looks like. And it's really a fascinating process. So thank you, Michaela, for explaining that, because I think that's something that um, not a lot of folks might be you know, aware of. Uh, that's another process and another unique advantage with you know, technology to have these feeding systems to be able to do that in advance in our industry. It's pretty cool. Yes. And, and, and I'm a person like when we breed our cattle, we're always everything, we want everything balanced, you know, structural soundness and, and, you know, looks and how the easy fleshing and moderate and, you know, docility. And like, we choose good cows because a good cow is going to make a good bull, you know, a bull is not going to fix your problems, but we try to be so well-rounded with what we're doing. And, and this data that we get is just another thing to help you make a good decision. It, it helps as breeders to get new information that can help you make decisions, hopefully easier. I don't ever want it to feel like we're trying to overwhelm our bull buyers, 
but it's just another tool to help you make a decision in your buying choices, especially because like you said, with all this technology, it's there. So it's really, you want to use it to your advantage and to help you make good choices in your, what you're trying to do with your herd. You know, a bull has such a huge impact on your next year's calf crop. So this technology is so fascinating to me because it's showing you that, you know, what, what your animals are really going to do. And it's amazing that we are able to, you know, use these tools and collect this information to help everybody out. You know, we are always trying to help our customers make the best decision. And it's just another tool we can use to hopefully make them feel comfortable in the bull that they are choosing. Absolutely. It's like, you know, the more you arm yourself with information, the more knowledge you have, and then the more that you can apply that to your operation. And when it comes to information and knowledge, I think, you know, there can never be too much, right? So there's folks that would love to have as much information as possible. And then there's folks that only need a little bit and they're good, but it's nice to have that available so you can cover your entire customer base and, you know, help fulfill those needs and what they're wanting as far as that data goes. And I just think that's incredible. And that's the one thing that uh, the dollar profit EPD, you know, you could, they might tell you, break down a little bit of the information on how the bull actually performed, but then it's so cool because then they combine all that information. Here's this one value dollar profit. It combined everything else that you can look at in like a supplement sheet or something, if they wanted to break it down a little bit more of how each bull did, but here's the one EPD that dollar profit, and you can just use it to compare the bulls. You know, it's just an easy way to compare everybody, but not overwhelm you because I understand too, when some people do get overwhelmed, I do think that it's a little scary, but it's kind of nice because you can make it as detailed as you want or as simple as you want, however you want to use it. Yeah, exactly. You just got to know your limits of when to cut it off. You don't keep going (laughs) too far into the information hole. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That can be very overwhelming. (laughs) Yes, it can be. And that's the other thing. Like we ultrasound our bulls where they come and measure their back fat and ribeye and we do the DNA testing to help bring some security in your EPDs but you know you can put a lot of pressure on that or you or you can't you can just do it and have the information there and people can look at it and use it and if they don't want to that's fine you know that's just here's what we did if you like it cool if not that's fine like (laughs) if you have questions about it that's okay if you want to come and look through them all first and circle the two that you like how they look first and then take a glance at that later. That's fine too. There's no, you know, there's no right or wrong way to use it. So. Oh, that's great, Michaela. Thank you for explaining that and sharing that with us. And there's so many unique things in different parts of the industry that there's a place for everybody. And so I love talking about the different areas and aspects. So that way folks listening in, you know, something might pique their interest more than the other and be like, you know, that's the route I want to go. I want to learn more about that. So I always appreciate it when guests come on and share their unique perspectives on different things and share the knowledge. So thank you for that. Yeah. So I love this question as there are so many great things to pick from. So what would be your top two things you couldn't run your business without? Oh my goodness. There's like a list. (laughs) I know because it's hard to pick. (laughs) Honestly, my support system, that being family or friends, you know, I'm fortunate to have a family who is able to help me in every aspect of what we're doing with ranching me, selling beef. I mean, without them, I wouldn't be able to do it, especially with the stage I'm at in my life, our life, my husband and I with our two little kids, you know, there's, (laughs) 
I have two, I always have two worries in the back of your head. You know, the mom in me is always thinking about them and trying to get everything done with them in mind. So without my family and friends, it would be extremely hard to do what I am doing. I guess the other thing that I couldn't run my business without, that's a hard one. Like you said, there's so many things so to many. choose from. If you want to pick a few, that's perfectly fine too. <laughs> I know it makes it hard when I narrow it down to just two. Maybe I should expand this a little bit. <laughs> that's not quite fair to you guys. <laughs> you know, what I wouldn't be able to run my business without is some sort of faith or say your 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 out view in what I'm doing. You have to be have faith and be optimistic and you have to yeah believe that what you're doing, you know, matters. And especially with ag and starting this new ranch direct beef business, you, you can't be a pessimist and do what we do and religion or not, however you, your outlook is in life. My faith has allowed me to continue doing my business because we all know that there's the dark days. It gets hard I mean, we had a set of twins yesterday. My dad told me that one of them, he thinks either got stepped or kicked on this morning. And it's just like, it's always going to be some sort of negative that you're dealing with. And if you let that weigh on your heart, you're going to have a hard time. And I'm not talking have your head in the clouds, but always look on the silver lining. I I mean, he told me that a a twin died this morning. I said, well, you've got one still, like the other one's healthy. The other one's okay. He's like, I know. And I said, I understand. It's hard. I'm not saying your your feelings aren't valid, but that's how I am. Oh, we still got one. You know, yeah. like <laughs> right. I, I really feel like I wouldn't be able to do or want to continue doing what we're doing if I didn't have that mindset. I think I don't know if I'd be able to handle it, you know. I love your answers to that because you know, for those of you listening in, neither of those things cost you any money. But no. you know, it comes down to mindset. In relationships, right? Your relationships with your friends and your family, the support system, and then your mindset and being positive and keeping the faith. Mindset is everything and looking for the silver lining and, you know, just your family, your friends, all of that. You can do just about anything if you have that. And I love your answers to that. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. And it's just, and, and I, that's why I feel like you don't have to have a huge support system either. I don't want it to feel like I I don't have like a huge cheerleading station. I call and, you know, come, you guys come cheer me up really quick. No, it's just (laughs) like, it's, it's so nice though to have, and that's where Instagram, there's a couple people that I talk to on Instagram probably every day. And I haven't even met them, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I've never met them. One of them, Susie Felton, Felton. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. I love her. She's great. I love her. And I talk to her. And it was a week or two ago, I was just like, I just have to tell you again, thank you. Like, you know, some days you just need someone who's doing exactly what you're doing. Yeah. You know, technically we're competition, but I, we don't care. You know, right. it's just nice to have some sort of support system, regardless of if you know them or not. <laughs> if they're just right. a, another little square on Instagram that has your back, that's great. Absolutely. And I, I absolutely adore Susie. I got to meet her this fall at an ag conference in Montana. And she's amazing uh-huh. because you meet her in person and she, you feel like you've known her forever. And she acts like a sister or something. It's just so fun. Yep. And I was so grateful I got to meet her. And I just love that you brought that up. And she is so supportive. You can reach out to her with questions or anything. And she's 
there and she's got your back. And I absolutely just yep. appreciate Susie's outlook on that. And she's always willing to help folks in the industry. And it's amazing. She spoke at this seminar and her class was great. And she's just amazing with other people in the industry. Yes. And it's, it's good to have, you know, people like that in your corner. And that's why I, I don't, I know some people don't have great relationships with family or, or whomever, sure. but you know, you'll find somebody and I, we yeah. stumbled across each other and it just has clicked, you know, yep. you, you'll find that support system you need. So yeah, you'll, you'll find them, you'll create them if it's not your own family. And I love that. That's something that's amazing with, again, with social media, just finding those connections. And it's pretty neat to find your tribe out there. Yes. All right. I always ask this question and I cannot wait to hear your answer to this. What would be your best piece of advice to someone wanting to be a part of the agriculture industry in today's world? This one took me a while. Like sure, this one, yeah. this was good. I was like, oh, so I, I guess I never said that I went to South Dakota State University and that's where I met my husband, Jackrabbit. Uh, <laughs> we're both from Nebraska and I feel like he is Fila. I'm cow calf. I'm like, this is perfect. We've, we're going to conquer the beef world. You know, that's not, not really. I never said that to him. He's going to listen to this and think I'm crazy. He knows he married me. It's fine. Um, but I was like, one thing that drew me to my husband is he's honest. Yeah. He's an honest guy. And if you ask him something and he doesn't like it, he's not rude. He's very quiet. He smiles a lot, but he is honest. And so as I'm thinking about this question and thinking about everybody in my life, most people work in the ag industry. And what I came to realize as I was thinking about this question, and I talked to him about it, and everybody that I know and appreciate and value their opinion on, everyone is honest. With that being said, my best piece of advice for someone wanting to start in the ag industry is honesty. And that may seem like a eye rolling thing to some people and honesty and that, you know, honesty is the best policy. It is, especially in our agricultural industry, everyone knows everyone. And you know, my parents always used to say that and I'm eye rolling them when I'm 16. But oh my <laughs> gosh, it is so true. It everyone is. does. And you have to be truthful and honest with what you are doing. With that being said, I will state this from a social media standpoint. I am always honest in what we do and why we do it. Now, I am not going to share an image of a calf that died because people will take your honesty in what you're trying to do by by being truthful and you're just trying to, to share the honest truth, but that will come back from the activist standpoint. It's happened to some of my friends. So with that being said, if anybody is chasing that social media, you know, trying to grow your business via social media, do be weary of that. But from the business side, you have to be honest with what you're doing, either working for somebody the product you're marketing, the bull you're selling, be honest because I would rather not sell somebody some of my beef if they wanted it grass fed. I always say our cattle are pasture raised and grain finished. And I'm not going to tell them that that's the same. I tell them what it is. And if they don't, that's fine. You know, you can do whatever you would like to do with your purchasing of your beef. I'm wanting a heifer bull that has a birth weight of 
80 pounds. Well, I'm sorry, you know, we don't have any of those right now, but I can sell you this 90 pound wool that may be hefferable. No, that's going to hurt your business. Don't lie. Don't be deceitful to try to make a quick buck or to try to jump over somebody else and their business goals as well. Honesty really is the best policy. And you may have a longer uphill battle by not you know, trying to make the quick buck or, or jump around somebody, but your business is going to be so solid if you were honest from the start yeah. and not being deceitful or shying away from the hard questions. I tell people we use antibiotics for our cattle at D&D Beef. Right. And they say, why? And I say, because if my calf has pink eye, if I do not treat it, it will become blind. And the look on someone's face when I say that, I'm like, well, it's true. We use antibiotics because I don't want my cattle to suffer. And the honesty that I share in our products, the response I have gotten back from that is unbelievable. I didn't know that. So when people say they don't use antibiotics, that calf may have been hurt. It may not have. And they chose not to use antibiotics. I'm not saying it was in pain. I'm not saying that you know, they're, they're being mean to their animals. I never say any of those things. I just say we use antibiotics to make sure our cattle are healthy. We treat them appropriately and to make sure that we're providing you a healthy, wholesome product. And the response I have gotten from that is honest to goodness, unbelievable. I was at keto summit in Omaha. I sold our ranch direct beef at a keto summit. That's the diet where a lot of people just eat meat, protein, Mm -hmm. nose to tail consumption. Yes. And the response I got just talking about what we're doing, people would come up and, and ask and I say, we don't use hormones. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. We choose not to implant our cattle. And they say, okay. And then I talked to them about the antibiotics and half of those people bought meat for me that day. They're not, you know, I could have said, we don't use antibiotics in the meat we sell to people because most of them, as you and I know, aren't treated with antibiotics. Right. But they want to know, they want to hear the truth. And that, yes, I may not be, you know, selling as much meat because I don't have antibiotic free written on it. But the customer base I'm getting right now is that's my people, you know, right. So just be honest. And if you don't know the answer to something, that's another thing I feel like in today's world with the internet at our fingertips, so many people are scared of it. They don't have an answer right now. Like the world's going to end, you know, like, oh my gosh, if I don't reply to this email right now, or if I don't reply to this comment right now, or I'm not exactly sure, but I got to give them an answer. Like, no, don't stop. Right. Yeah. Take us, take a second, research what you're doing. Think about it for a minute. And, you know, Hey, I saw this, you know, I had someone message me the other day, a question about our beef. I saw your message. I'm going to reply to you in a little bit. I can't answer this right now. Okay, great. I was honest. I didn't have the time. She knew I saw it because everybody knows when you see something now online, it'll say seen. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I wanted to take the time to, to answer appropriately and to, she had a pretty loaded question and I wanted to be honest and I didn't want to do a short answer. I wanted to explain she's a customer now. So really think about what you're doing, why you're doing it and, and the type of customer base you want to build the people you want to be around yourself or surround yourself with all that goes back to being honest, because if you start 
surrounding yourself with negative people, you'll see a lot of times they're not honest. And that just brings that negativity into your life. And that does trickle into your business. Absolutely. Michaela, that was so good. I love that answer to this question. And I love hearing everybody's answer. And this was a very unique one. And again, something that everybody can have this quality of being honest, and it's how we should be. And like you said, when you're, you know, when you don't have an answer for somebody, and you let them know that, that's a great way to not only build more rapport, but accountability, or you can be like, Hey, I don't know right now, but let me get back to you and I will get you an answer. And then you follow up and then that builds trust and confidence in your customer or a potential customer, knowing that you're going to go out of your way to get the answer for them and then get back in touch with them in a timely manner. And that's a great way to build that communication within your customer base, as well as that trust foundation as well. So I love that you went into that because that was fantastic advice and it's okay to not know. I mean, if we knew everything, life would be way too boring and there wouldn't, I mean, what would be the point, right? It's it's a journey and just learning more things and our knowledge expands as we go. I mean, even in my last year, I've learned so much that I never thought I would learn, but I'm so grateful. And each year it repeats. I'm like, man, I can't believe all the new stuff I learned in this last year. I can't wait to see what the next year holds. And things change as your operation changes or your practices change and that new knowledge coming in. I think that's just fantastic how you answer that is just being honest with people. Yes. And, and, the, and the response from being honest or taking that time to answer the question appropriately, like you said, just taking a minute. And I, I feel like people are really appreciating that more now because yeah. I'm not just throwing an answer out especially when smartphones and, you know, they're always on you, you know, you're constantly getting asked questions, which is great, but they really do appreciate, Hey, I'm, I saw this. I'll message you in a little bit, or, you know, I I need to get back to you. I'll get back to you later tonight or tomorrow morning. And it's, it's okay. That's something that I struggled with when I started my business because, you know, customer service is everything, but as time has gone on, I want to give them the best answer possible or help them to the best of their ability. And to do that, I sometimes need to say, I will get back to you. And they appreciate that more, just like you said, because they're like, oh, she's going to take more time later. That's great. Let me get my kid to quit screaming and I'll call you back. (laughs) You know, like, it's okay. (laughs) It's okay to to be honest. Oh, sorry. Yeah. It's, it's okay. (laughs) We'll all get through it together. (laughs) Yes. One step at a time. And that was just great advice. And I greatly appreciate your insight on that. That was fantastic. Thank you. So Michaela, where can we learn more about you and D&D Beef? Where can folks follow you and connect with you? For D&D Beef, I'm on Instagram. It's D-A-N-D-D Beef. I also have a Facebook page. It's D and D beef as well. And then my website, it's all the same. The A and D is spelled out. If you're interested in our ranch and our seed stock operation, that is D and D cattle company. And like I said, we're located in Northeastern Nebraska. If anybody has any questions, you can always shoot me a message. Like I said, I might not answer you right away, but I will get to you. (laughs) It might just take a minute, but I'm on Instagram and Facebook and I do have a website. So Uh, thank you for that, Michaela. And everybody listening in, make sure you give her a follow. And like we talked about, don't be afraid to reach out to us with questions. And if you're not sure about something, there's a whole world of just great people on social media that are in this industry that are usually more than willing to help out. And I know, Michaela, you are one of those. And I'm so grateful for that. 
Yes. And so as are you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks, Michaela, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I can't wait for everyone to hear this. Thank you.